This is the Blended Creole Podcast, where we discuss two lives, Southern and Haitian roots. Join us as we talk about family, investing, and seeing the world. While learning about how we tackle blending our lives, from our finances and redefining our relationship with debt, to our Insta family. Welcome to the Blended Creole Podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm Liz. Creole podcast. I'm Liz. I'm Jay. And this is episode eight. And on this episode, we're going to talk about our new real estate strategy or essentially our real estate reset. Um, so if you listen to episode seven, we discussed why did we even start investing in real estate for passive income? Um, a little bit of history about how we were investing prior to you know, settling down together, but also, um, you know, what our different real estate investments have been. Um, So in this episode, you know, let's talk about our our goals for those who didn't have a chance to listen to episode seven. Um, So Jay, our first goal is to hit 10K in passive income from real estate. That's correct. Um, You know, with the amount of money, that we've made in real estate thus far, um, in the light type of lifestyle where we want to live, we we came up with the, we determined that the 10k monthly passive income, uh, meaning 120 dollars a year of um, income that that's not based on any of our salaries, um, strictly on real estate was was our end goal, um, and based on you know that calculation was was probably the the main reason for us um, changing our real estate stat- strategy, correct? Um, we, you know, the, the name of the game and the name of the game in real estate is um, having multiple properties, whether it's 10, 15, 20, 30 properties in, in there, all cash along a certain amount. Um, but with our new strategy, um, we, we, we realize that it may take a little longer, but um, we can definitely reach that 10K goal. And that's just the initial goal for now. Right. Um, and we think ultimately we just want to be in a position, well positioned to give. So, you know, 10K is our initial goal. I would like to see a stretch to hopefully 20K of passive income. Um, with little ambitious, but yeah, I think we can definitely get there. Ambitious, but I mean, we're not like, I think we're not setting. I mean, do you have a time frame? Uh, I do. I have a, I have certain time frames in my head in reference to, um, when I, when we, when I want to achieve millionaire status, um, a time frame. I do have a time frame for that. Jay has a time frame. Property. I'm going with the flow. I'm the free spirit here. Mm. The 20K is going to come, but the 20K is really about being in a position to really give, um, beyond just taking care of our family, um, being able to, you know, help others. And that's essentially what the additional 10 K for me is about, um, being able to bless other people and to set up, hopefully, um, things like scholarships and paying it forward for, you know, being as blessed as we envision ourselves being in the future. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a good, you know, being, being able to give to the less, less fortunate, um, and, the good thing about the passive income is that even once we go away, um, hopefully that's something our our children and their children's children can 
continue on continue on for a long time it's all about that um that legacy that generational, generational wealth. wealth and um honestly another part of this is uh independent retirement so I think, you know, everyone has some sort of 401k and retirement savings plan. Not everyone. You not don't everyone. take it for granted. Not everyone. Hopefully, most people are investing in what after the afterlife is beyond working their nine to five. And I think for us, you know, Jay always says, look, I mean, why are you looking at that uh, TSP? Because we work for the government, which is our 401k, our thrift savings plan. You know, we're not going to need that. We're not going to need that. And so I think that has been drilled in my mind that that 10K of passive income that we're planning to uh, that we're working towards is essentially, you know, that's what we'll live off of. Um and I think that also creates a different level of freedom that we can retire when we want to. We can um, hopefully later on in our careers, taking certain job assignments is not dependent on the financial gain that's associated with a position. It's more so focused on, do I really want to work this position? Do I really want to do Absolutely. X, Y, and Z? Do we want to travel to this part of the world? Or maybe we wouldn't make as much money if we took an assignment in a certain country. Um, but who cares? Because guess what? We have a passive level of income that maybe we could just live someplace that we've been curious about and are super interested in. Um, and there's nothing, you know, there's n nothing wrong with uh, other forms of income, um, like retirement income. Those are those are all great. But. Um, that the real estate income, especially since we got a taste of it um, being so young, um, that real estate income coming in for the rest of our lives, the houses aren't, aren't going anywhere. Right. It's very appealing. I know for me, <clears throat> one thing I noticed was that, especially uh, being in the military, um, the, my last assignment, I was around a lot of a lot of individuals that were getting ready to retire. They did their 20, 20 plus years. A lot of people, a lot of them joked that uh, my last duty station was where individuals went went on to retire um because it was just that kind of um that kind of environment but anyway um we uh a lot of guys joke that you know they were getting ready to retire and then you start doing the math and they, they these people have worked 20 25 years um for them to only get 50 percent of <laughs> of their base pay you know, and anybody can look on a, on a military pay scale um so yeah. put it into perspective if someone was a so if someone retired as a as a lieutenant colonel um and it's important to say base pay because and when you're active duty military you get um a housing allowance you get all these other allowances but those don't come with you um when you retire so you're say a lieutenant colonel with 20 25 years of experience um 25 years in the military gets their their base salary is about eight thousand dollars a month so they would get 50 percent of that um, which is for the, it's not anything to sneeze at, but could you imagine you worked 20, 25 years um, in a very grueling environment being in the military? <laughs> deployments. Um, deployments. Um, it's a great career, don't get me wrong, but to only make $4,000 a month um, after that, you know, that's $48,000 a year. That That for me, once I started doing those calculations, <laughs> that for me, once I started doing those calculations, oh, uh, 
Um, I just realized that there, 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 there's definitely more out there. Would that be a good incentive as far as an additional income? Yeah, that would be great. Definitely. Um, but you see so many people retiring with those 20 plus years in the military, then working a second retirement correct. career, they depending on. They go out and get a civilian career or, or work with the government. And it's something that retirement becomes supplemental, supplemental income to me. Um, when you roll my, out it, my supplemental income, I wanted that to be real estate. In addition to whatever retirement I would get or Social Security, essentially not not um not waiting for any government uh, supplemental income. The retirement having to having to hit a certain age before you start to be able to draw from absolutely, and not having to depend on it, right? I mean, right, because you know these guys they they depend on that income. Of course, there's other things that they you know that they they might be able to to get as well but um you know once i once i started doing the calculations again it was something that it, if i were if i was to stay 20 years and and hit that retirement age right. it would be to you know that would only be strictly supplemental income that's not something that i would want to uh, live off of for the rest of my life so um let's talk about what changed in our real estate strategy so we've always wanted to invest and grow real estate um, we have decided to redefine how we're going to do this. Um, and mainly the new plan is strictly cash, strictly cash, save up and pay cash, for, get cash for a property. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Liz? <laughs> Cause I'm hearing Wu-Tang's cream no. <laughs> just in my head, but yes, we are going to a cash strategy, which is different. It is very different. And it's, um, not necessarily frowned upon, but um, everybody, you know, you you speak to different real estate investors, and they tell you you're missing out on the, the depreciation on the on the saving on the interest rate that comes with um, holding on to a mortgage. Um, but you also have the school of thought of individuals like, uh, you know, the guy who I speak about that is a rich carry. He was a military guy that, <laughs> you know, he has twenty properties all paid off, and um, he's making for twenty twenty five thousand dollars a month, um, straight passive Cash. income. In, in addition to his supplement to his military retirement. So, um, you know, it, it's two different schools of thought, right? Do right. You wanna, do you want to be over leveraged and have mortgages on so many houses and have the tenants paying those property, paying those mortgages off? Or do you just want to take your time, purchase properties? And it, it will definitely take you longer. Um, It'll take you longer, but it will snowball. So I think that's the thing that uh, you kind of you can carry those mortgages, but I think one of the things that has, that had a significant impact on why we're changing our strategy as in terms of not leveraging debt in order to build our real estate empire was really the debt-free journey. Mm -hmm. So realizing we don't like to pay nobody's bills. At all. We don't like to owe anyone anything. And as so, you get closer to that, you just realize that for what? So what was the moment for you when you realized this was the right strategy? Jeez. Uh, Especially since you've bought and sold homes now. I think that's this is home after this sale is probably home number four that you know, that type of real estate transaction you've had. Honestly, I think the reality is um you start to really look at all your numbers, right? So Jay can obsess over his spreadsheet. 
Um, I like charts and graphs. Mm-hmm. And we have a nice little first 10K goal chart that I created that is laminated where, you know, we have a list of our properties. I wrote down a column for the rent, a column for our mortgage, our property management fee, and then our profit. And so our little chart is really nice. And we were <laughs> cl- we were getting ready to just fill this chart up. Then you start to realize we'd have to buy a certain number of properties to hit 10K, but carry a certain amount of debt versus why don't we just pay cash for like, for instance, one of the properties that we decided that we're going to hold on to that property brings in $1,400. So on this property with carrying a mortgage, we make about 500, almost $600 a month. Um, a little more than that. but yeah. A little more than that. But we are with a mortgage giving whatever loan company we have mm-hmm. about 650 <laughs> of that rental company and they're not doing anything for us Absolutely, they are getting interest on that loan and they're getting a monthly check versus why don't we just pay this off and we get a straight fourteen hundred dollars minus about 140 for, for a property, property management, management fee mm-hmm. that that's a fee where we will not part with we, yeah we will always have a property management fee we're not in a place we don't want to manage properties we want to own them but not <laughs> manage them but basically 500 sounds great but 1300 or so sounds better 1200 or so sounds better um, and I think what you have to get over too with this mindset is realizing that for all the tax benefits that people discuss you being able to have by carrying a mortgage, I mean, you're going to be making enough money that you could set aside to pay your taxes. Absolutely. Like taxes exist. I mean, many of us are not Amazon where we're going to be skirting and being able to get away (laughs) with not paying taxes. So, like, just save up and pay for it because now you're making you're making enough money to do it. So I think getting rid of that fear of taxes that I just I don't know. It's a legitimate fear we had. um, And back to your point, we would have. We would have to purchase almost 20 properties, 20, 25 properties and be leveraged and have a mortgage on all those properties to be able to make um, to be able to make that 10K, 10, 10K goal, initial 10K goal. Um, that's a lot of loans and mortgages to have um, on, a, on, a, on a business, on an individual name. However, however, we uh we would have managed to do that past, you know, those those amount of properties and. God forbid, uh, if, if individuals that don't know, if if one of the banks ever called, called or <laughs> called the mortgage, right? Calling the mortgage is when the bank says, um, essentially, you have to pay the mortgage in full, and uh, and at a certain amount of time, having you know, having to come up with eighty, seventy, ninety, hundred thousand dollars immediately to pay a bank, just so the bank doesn't doesn't take the doesn't then calling the note doesn't take your house. Um, so, you know, we realize. Yeah, it may take a little longer. Um, the sacrifice is much more because now we have to save that amount of money, uh, a lot of that that much money. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, 
we enjoy the profit part of the business, right? Right. We enjoy getting that large lump sum every month, and and we when we hate paying bills, like you said, and we I think if individuals are gonna are gonna invest in real estate, you have to know your own temperament. And if depending the, on your financial status, right? We we talk about having a large shovel to help pay off our debt. Um, we're very blessed that we are financially able to probably save up a substantial amount of money um, to start paying cash for property. It may be different if we didn't have the income we have, but at the same time, I think what we started to realize is living within our means and probably living below our means has meant that we're able to leverage that additional amount of money to go towards this goal of building this passive income. Um, so the sacrifices include in the Washington, D.C. area, of, I would probably say a fairly decent-sized single-family home is definitely going to set you back half a million plus. A, a lot more than half a million. I mean, a we went one. to look at a house that we were like, oh, this could be a good equity investment, oh, and man. it was... We both pulled up was like, nah. It was listed at 509000 Yeah, 509 Needs renovations. Oh, my gosh. Nice backyard. But it was, yeah. It was not worth 509000 <laughs> Not worth 509000 And mind you, um, in this market, it's going to sell. I mean, that, that oh, house yeah. will, not, it will, will not stay on the market for too long. But one of those, no HOA. So yeah. you're seeing all this random stuff in the yards. Just all those things. But you put a house that's in a decent neighborhood with a nice HOA, a three-bedroom, two-bath. You're definitely looking at six, 700000 We have decided, even though we could afford to buy a house within that price range, we're not interested in that right now. Not at all. Uh, we, we are more interested in, in growing our, our our passive income and you know, saving some of that money and purchasing the house, just cash. And Down the road. And sooner or later, the amount of income that we have coming in will allow us to, to buy whatever whatever house we want. But for right now, it's focusing on creating that passive income. And I think the other aspect of paying cash is that we talk about a debt snowball. I think what we'll see and what I'm projecting is that we'll have an investment snowball. So essentially... The fourteen hundred that we'll bring in from the property that we're paying cash for now adds to what we're able to then invest. And so maybe for the first few years, maybe one to two years, it will take us we can invest, let's say, in one to two properties a year. But by that third year, we will have increased our income with us having a goal of each property bringing in at least a thousand dollars. If we have four properties in two years, okay, that's $4,000 a month just in straight rental income that now you start to add that. It snowballs. So we'll be able to buy more properties um, in a shorter period of time. So we'll end up with an investment snowball. So that's kind of where our goal is. And that means we need to maintain the lifestyle that we're having now. Uh, Which is a debt-free lifestyle. Debt free, but also not increasing our spending because our income has increased. 
He's looking at me. Are you talking to me or are you talking to yourself? I'm not talking you to just myself. You just, I just mentioned increasing <laughs> my allowance to $400. You just increased. But mentioned there's a way that. for me to increase my allowance to $400 without actually having to like change our budget. And it just takes Jay giving up his $200 and not having an allowance, oh, no, which you. is. That's not going to happen. We 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 passed that stage already. We talked about that last. Uh, Jay, you are podcast. so shady. About, you just said you were giving your two hundred dollars not too we long ago. About that in a different podcast. This guy. Anyway, as you were saying, why are you being? Why are you being this way? What way am I being? You don't want to give me your two hundred dollars. You you should learn. <laughs> Anyways, anyway. <laughs> but you should not drastically change uh, your budget. Essentially. Um, and I think Jay and I talk about this. After a while, you get to a certain place. So like, what more do you really need if your basic needs are met? So, you know, your groceries, all that good stuff. How much shopping can you do? I mean, this pandemic, I mean, I feel like definitely has really set a tone in terms of, like, spending. Because where are you going? You're yeah, that's going true. Nowhere. Yeah. You're not doing much of anything. Fortunate enough to say to to put away a lot of money maintain it's easier to maintain a budget oh well, yeah it seems like things are opening back up so you know just making sure we 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 taper some of the spending and you know and maintain Jay's maintaining really hard maintaining the habits that we the habits that we came into during are you the, nervous during the you, pandemic. you get no, a little no, choked I'm not, up with i'm not nervous, I'm not nervous at all. do you think i'm, I'm not, just gonna go crazy i'm actually i don't think so actually i don't okay. think i don't think so that's, that's why we have a budget in place and i think, I think we i think we'll both adhere to it and i think we both want you know the strategies and the plans that we've talked about i think we both want them you sacrifice now so you could like have fun a lot more fun later like i think that's kind of the way we view it um and in terms of our strategy mm-hmm. what about it that so, cash strategy so we're essentially right now we are offloading properties yeah so um we mentioned the the, the five properties that we have it's five right yeah it's, yeah, five, it's five, five properties that i keep that four I rentals and one, one just renovated renovated property um, so what we're doing is uh, liz mentioned that one property that um is generating the highest cash flow right now and that was actually uh that was initially a flip as well for me that was a flip oh, yeah flip that i had uh purchased i bought that property for twenty four thousand dollars renovated it for about forty five fifty thousand dollars and uh actually for about sixty thousand dollars and and that that rent that's coming in right now is fourteen hundred dollars a month. Um, With again, comfortable tenants, tenants who yeah, they've they've been there for almost four years now. Wow, tenants have been there four years. Um, they take care of the place, pay their rent on time. Think again, knock on wood. Thankfully, all of our tenants pay on time, and things are going great with that. Um, so what we decided to do that was the highest growth, that's highest um income producing property. So instead of selling that property. Um, one because if we did this if we did sell it we would have to sell it at a discount because we have a tenant in it so only person that would be able to buy it is an investor um and they're so, not going to pay full price so we can't put it yeah exactly we can't put it on the market and and get full price for it right now it's worth 150 um with about it with about a seventy two thousand dollar um note on it so we have the great equity on the property right. so we decided oh we just try to you know we put that into our debt snowball pay that off and have that for that fourteen hundred dollars a month coming in um the other properties that we have 
they're not as great. They are, they are all cash flowing, um, but and we have equity on all those properties. But the return on them wasn't worth where we're headed right now. Correct. Um, we we had a threshold for ourselves. Um, so the current um, return that we wanted was about seven seven eight hundred on on a property right now, and and they those other properties didn't meet the threshold. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna offload those properties. We already started. Yes. Um, so we offloaded one property, um, and and we there's a couple of methods to offload property. So you can do a traditional sale, um, um, but also Baltimore has some good auction houses that you can go to to offload properties. And so for all the properties except for the property that we recently renovated we are going through the auction process and we're doing this because the fees are uh nominal compared to going through traditional listing absolutely so essentially with the auction company um we pay a 300 dollars essentially listing fee Correct. to list the property they come out take their pictures um, and the way that they make their money is from a buyer's premium, which ours was 6%. And so for that buyer's premium, that cost is actually split. Correct. And it's added to the, it's added to the sale price. Uh, it's added to the, to the bid price at the auction. Um, thankfully, one of the properties, well, the one property that Liz is talking about, um, somebody decided to buy a pre-auction. So Correct. Didn't even let it go to bid. Um, and, you know. That and the company that bought it actually has uh, ten houses on that one block. Yeah, so they basically have just like really purchased that particular block, and that that closed in less than thirty days. So right, you know, we had it on we had it on auction block. Somebody pre bid, and we made a, a very nice uh, profit on that on that right. Property. So, so that property we owed um, fifty thousand on it. Fifty, yeah, around fifty thousand. And we sold it for seventy five. Seventy five. So, and so by the time we paid off the mortgage, um, we walked away with almost twenty one k from that sale, um, which we promptly have put into paying, paying off, off debt. debt. Yeah, and you follow, following the plan. It's it's a hard pill to swallow when you get a, a nice wire of a twenty. Twenty plus thousand dollars in your account, and you got to turn around and, and <laughs> you got to give it to somebody <laughs> else and send and send it back. But you but know, this is the reason why we're doing the debt free journey, and this is the reason why we're offloading. Like we want to be able to when that time is, if we want to offload something, we don't owe anyone anything that we can walk out with seventy five k or whatever it is in our pocket and keep it moving. Um, and outside of that, basically, we're focusing on. Once these properties are sold, now taking the money that we're saving from mortgages and putting that towards the debt snowball that will hopefully allow us to pay off the half a million dollars of debt. And with all the equity that we have in the houses and with the property that we're making, um, it's projected that we will, um, again, like I said, we will be debt free by the end by the end of the year. Um, the entire five hundred thousand just simply going in. We will not owe anybody a thing, and we cannot wait. I tell you now, I see the, the smile on Liz's, Liz's face as we think about, um, and we keep getting signs that you know this is definitely the right strategy, right? We we continuously listen to podcasts, continuously read, and 
um, get piggyback on ideas of, you know, is this, is, is cash buying, uh, is investing in real estate with cash um, without any leverage? Is that the, is that the right way to go? You and know? you see it, right? Because unexpected things come up, right? And so seeing that we're not taking out debt, so we're holding true to that. And so I think for us, you know, this all comes down to realizing, A, the how good it feels not to add to our debt, um, but also understanding that, I don't know, I will go back to feeling like American culture, debt is so ingrained in how people live um, that until you start to pay off debt and not to owe anyone anything, you cannot underestimate how freeing it feels to be well positioned to say, I'm not dependent on a bank giving me a loan. I'm not dependent on um, some financial institution to decide my credit worthiness. Um, I remember I hated that <laughs> so much when I had to apply uh, for stuff, apply for a credit card. And I was, I, I was denied earlier. It's um, because I got older, that changed. But, you know, I hated that feeling of, or oh, even if you didn't get denied, you didn't get the the, the amount limit. of credit the limit that you that you were expecting. I ha- I, mean, I hated that feeling having a um the first credit card is about five thousand dollars. Like, what do you? I mean, I guess five thousand limits aren't, aren't, aren't <laughs> a bad thing, but now that I think about it, like, why? Why is that the only amount um, that they would that they would give you? Like, who determines how much you're, you're worth? How much credit you're worthy of getting? Um, just had leaving that decision to somebody else. Um, was just a terrible. It was just a terrible feeling. And at this point, we just feel like we don't what? want a worth tied to what some our FICO score Absolutely. or to something along those lines. And then, too, once you start to do like more research, right? Because finally, I think at some point, I was like, "Where did this credit score even yeah, come from?" Yeah. You realize this was all about someone trying to assess if you were trustworthy, and it was always for profit. So I think if you start to do the research, and I can't recall off the top of my head, but like, where did the credit score come from? You realize like two dudes decided to feel like, oh, let's set up this scoring system that basically helps businesses decide, you know, if someone is trustworthy um, and they profited off of that. So it's always been for profit. Your credit score is helping other people profit, but also the fact that back in that, day and age when people were determining this credit score it came down to like your neighbors being able to tell whether or not your character i think is how it was described so i mean last i checked you could have great character and not have a crap ton of money or a crap ton of uh credit available to you that doesn't mean you're not you don't have good (laughs) character i mean you know sometimes you don't have the access that some people feel like you should have, which just drives people into debt. It's it's a vicious cycle, I think, at the end of the day. Um, and some people are, you have to learn to live within your means, um, but that's a whole different other situation. And it's strictly based off how much debt you can handle. So for it to go up, you know, you have to accumulate more debt. Like it's just, that's just how the, <laughs> that's just how the math works. The more debt you can handle, um, responsibly, as they say, um, the higher your credit score increases. I mean, if you, for those that are, if you may be 
if you're on the debt-free journey, um, you realize if you're not using any debt, your your credit score will automatically go down just because you're not accumulating any more debt. If you have a bunch of credit cards that you haven't used and they're just sitting there, you haven't closed them, um, but you just haven't used them on a, on a consistent basis, your credit score will decrease. <laughs> so um, it's a system based on you obtaining more debt and using as much debt as possible. Um, again, you know we're not telling anybody not to not to um, leverage, not to use leverage. Um, but we're just saying we we're we're making that that con- conscious decision not to um not to do it any not to do it any longer not right. to be tied to it in such a way that we're dependent on our credit score and so um and I think that comes down to you know what can someone say oh you have a low credit score but I have x amount of money in the bank and I can cut you a cash a check yeah, to pay absolutely. cash for whatever I need so like. Yeah, who cares what your credit score? Um, and so for us, beyond this initial real estate investment, we do have some other kind of goals and dreams. So I think one thing is to renovate a block. I think we're definitely inspired when you drive through Baltimore and you see a block of row houses that are in need of some rehabilitation. The idea of being able to own a block and renovate a block um you know one house is great on a block but not only do you start to see what a massive project that is but also to understand the improvement that you're making on a community by taking time to take properties that are run down and um kind of eyesores absolutely and i think another goal is um to do an entire where to do a warehouse uh, condo conversion Liz is over there doing her dance because she's excited. This is, this is her. This is a, on her, been on her bucket list for a while now. Yes, um, a warehouse to, to get an old dilapidated warehouse and transform that into a condos or lofts um, that we can renovate. Um, we've seen this happen within. Remember in, in Iowa, actually the the first place I lived in, somebody took an entire school yes. and they made that into a uh, building, which was phenomenal. Um, they made it into a building with a loft style apartments and. That was absolutely gorgeous. So um, it's something about those, you know, old factory windows and the high ceilings that already come with that space that just lends itself to, I think, some really creative uh, design. Yeah. And I don't know. So I've seen it done with schools. I've seen it done with um, breweries. Um, I've seen it done with, with factories as well. So um, it's definitely possible. And that's, you know, those are I think those are two things that we definitely want to do with real estate. Oh, so but this is why that 20k is is important <laughs> <laughs> extremely <laughs> extremely extremely important that's gonna take a lot of capital to be able to do but it's it's exciting to think and dream absolutely. that way absolutely um and so with that i think you know hopefully our new strategy is clear we're going down the cash route uh of real estate investing um and i think as we work our way through this journey um just like you know we look at the debt-free journey and providing you guys updates on where we're at with paying off our debt we definitely plan to share what we're learning from our new real estate strategy um especially when tax season comes around next year um what we learned from paying off and selling so many properties but also what happens how much exactly are we starting to owe the government because we have 
paid straight cash for houses um, and be able to give you guys an honest assessment of where we could have saved. And if we have any regrets, I doubt we'll have any regrets, I but, doubt it. um, you know, I think it's just a way to help keep our listeners informed because maybe a cash real estate investment strategy isn't for you. Um, but to be able to weigh things out, I think are really, really important for everyone. Absolutely. And, and knowing exactly what your end goal, what you want your end goal to be, is it for cash flow? Is it for equity? Um, making that, de- making that determination and, and sticking with whatever strategy you decide to go to go with as far as real estate investing is, is definitely important, but we'll definitely keep you posted on our strategy.